Pope Paul VI wrote his famous encyclical about evangelization, he made the comment that the call for every Christian is to be on mission, to, to be evangelizing. But he made the very interesting point that our call is not simply to evangelize individuals. We're called to evangelize a culture, to somehow bring the gospel into the heart of the culture, to, to change the world in which we live. Now, when we look at the ministry of St. Paul, we see this very clearly. Paul entered into a world where slavery was the norm. The whole economy was built on slavery, where the attitudes to human life were completely different to what we would expect in, in our day and age. It, it, was a, it was a society which was particularly brutal. And, you know, when we talk about the pagan moral sensibilities, you know, that was particularly the world that Paul was in. You know, and we see elements of this, particularly in his letters to the, the church in Corinth. You know, Corinth, which the, the city was under the protection of the goddess Aphrodite, you know, and central to their whole economy were temples built on prostitution. Paul came into that world and he preached the gospel. But more particularly, he planted the seeds for the destruction of that culture. In very simple ways, he started to talk about the fact that slaves were human beings and that slaves and their masters should be able to stand next to each other in worship and treat each other as brothers. You know, he started to speak about the human body as being the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The whole way that we start to understand those amongst us who are weak or who are vulnerable, he elevated them and said that they were the most important. These simple phrases became the seeds of Western civilization. The whole culture that we take for granted now, that came from St. Paul. And, and there are many scholars these days who are starting to recognize that, that, that these moral principles that have built our world didn't come from the Greeks or the Romans. They came from the writings of St. Paul. The reason why this is important to reflect on is because in your baptism, you were anointed as priest, prophet, and king. We spoke in the last episode about the fact that you are a priest, that you are called to share in that priesthood of Christ in laying your life down for the world. And that there, there is such an intimate encounter, I suppose, in how we enter into the Eucharist as priest, that you don't come as a spectator. You come as someone who is part of the body of Christ, uniting your sacrifice with the sacrifice of Christ. You know, as the priest says in that prayer just before the Eucharist, where he says, pray that my sacrifice and yours will be acceptable to God. We need to rediscover our role as priest. But I think even more, we need to rediscover our role as prophet. Because if, if we live in a church where most people don't understand that they're meant to be offering a priestly sacrifice, even more so, we've got a, a culture where the lay people in the church don't feel it's their responsibility to be proclaiming the truth or evangelizing a culture. But this is, this is central to who you are. 
your identity as a baptized follower of Jesus Christ is that you have been called to proclaim. Now, the, the whole vocation of prophet, if you look at the, the prophets in the Old Testament, occasionally they were predicting the future. You know, our, our society often presumes that prophecy is always about the future. But the prophets particularly spoke about the present. They were always talking about where is God meeting our current world? How does the truth of God challenge our world? And so this is where you've got prophets like Jeremiah who are interpreting world events according to the Spirit of God and calling people to repentance, calling people to understand how they're meant to respond to things that are already happening. Now, the job of the prophet was not a pleasant job. This is why many of the prophets, when they were called, they immediately started bargaining with God, trying to see if there was a way out of the job. They realized that as soon as they started to speak the truth, they were going to be persecuted. And that was generally the case. It was not a fun vocation. But what you also see there is God equipping the prophets to be able to go beyond their fear and their insecurities and be able to be courageous. I always love that call of Jeremiah in chapter 1 where God calls Jeremiah and says, I'm going to make you into this pillar of bronze, you know, this, this tower of, of iron. People will come and try and break against that but they will be broken by it. But then he also says to Jeremiah that if you back down, then you'll be the one who is broken. See, God is going to equip the prophet to have a spine made out of steel. And this is where we need to really be grasping hold of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to use this, this calling to be a prophet. Cannot be done just by your own ability. I think the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very important here. Now, if, if you are like most Catholics, when you were confirmed, you probably heard all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, didn't know particularly what to do with them, and so you left them on a, on a shelf somewhere just to gather dust, hoping that one day they would become useful. These gifts become particularly practical when we start to take up this role of priest, prophet, and king. Because if you go back and look at these gifts, have a look at Isaiah chapter 11 if you want to read back through them. These gifts are really designed to make us holy, but they're also designed to set our hearts on God, that we can hear the voice of God, that we can understand the world through God's lens, God's worldview, and also that we can then be courageous to proclaim that worldview without ever backing down. Now, this is vitally important if you ever decide to open your mouth and try to proclaim your faith. I think if we look back over recent history in the church, one of the great problems is that people have tried to step into this prophetic role and engage with the world but not necessarily empowered by the grace of the Holy Spirit. 
And this is where I think in many places the church has fallen into a real trap. Because, as we know, there are many things that masquerade as Christianity, but they're not actually the truth. There are things which sound like the scriptures, but they're actually a lie. And I think there have been many people, particularly even, you know, many of those who would take up the role of teaching, who have potentially fallen into a trap of proclaiming something which is probably a bit closer to Marxism than Christianity. Because equality sounds like something that Jesus would talk about. Or maybe they start proclaiming something which is a whole lot closer to sort of liberal capitalism because freedom is something that surely God wants us to have. There is a real trap which we've seen where people can start to align politics and, and, and cling to politics, believing that that is where the salvation of the world will come through, and yet fail to recognize that these things, even though they get close to proclaiming gospel values, or even if they once were built upon gospel values, they may potentially actually take us into a bad, a bad place. So this is where I think we really need the grace of the Holy Spirit to discern and understand what is really going on in our world. In a world where there is so much communication, where we are flooded with information constantly and flooded with opinion, it can be so hard to get to a place of understanding what actually is true. And even in a church where things are so polarised and it can be so easy just to follow the loudest voice, we need a new generation of people who are really seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking wisdom, seeking knowledge, seeking understanding, really trying to align ourselves with the heart of Jesus and particularly with the heart of the scriptures so that we can interpret the world accordingly and then speak into it so that the culture can really be converted. The way we do this is obviously going to have to be very different depending on your life circumstances. For me as a priest, I get to preach and play that prophetic role within a liturgical context where people expect me to talk explicitly about the scriptures. But for someone who's in the world, in business, you know, or even in politics, or even in family, where there can often be a resistance or a, or a defensiveness against anything which smells like Christianity. This is where we need a real wisdom to know how to bring the seed of the gospel in such a way that it will actually be accepted. And I think this is where we need to go back to St. Paul as an example. He changed the whole structure of slavery simply by trying to say, you know, this person is your brother. He's a human being. He didn't necessarily quote the Old Testament. He didn't call upon the words of Jesus. He just spoke an essential truth. And it was a truth which woke people up out of their, their blindness, where they started to have to realize that this is the truth written on us, on our souls, or the natural law as we would call it. There are ways in which you are called to speak which will challenge people to break through the ideologies which are dominating our world 
and actually call people back to the truth. And when Jesus tells us that we need to be as gentle as doves, but as cunning as serpents, I think this is particularly the realm in which he was talking about. Because we need to be quite cunning in the way that we present this. I was reflecting recently that if you go back over the last generation, there has been a sense in which the church is the one being questioned. The church is the one called to make a defence. We have to defend why it is important to treat human beings with dignity. We're the ones who are called to explain why God exists. Because you had a rebellion against a Christian culture and the secular world simply had the privilege of asking questions or undermining. But I think the tables have now turned. You know, the, the onus of proof is now on the other side where it's now the job of the secular world to prove their principles of thinking or their principles of morality, you know, to try and prove why a child in the womb is not necessarily human, to try to prove why, you know, not getting married is actually going to help us as a civilization. We actually have the privilege now of being the questioners or being the ones who are the skeptics. And I think this is maybe a good way to play your prophetic role. You don't necessarily have to stand up at work and quote the scriptures. You, you can just be the skeptic and say, is this actually going to be good for us long term? Is this really going to make us money if we don't treat our workers correctly? You know, play the role of devil's advocate, or maybe in this case, it's actually God's advocate. You know, rather than just blindly following an ideology to come back to a truth which actually speaks to us. And this is where we need courage. We need wisdom to know how to speak. We need to really be immersing ourselves in the scriptures so that we know what we're actually speaking out of. But not to ever be afraid that you have been anointed to speak the truth and work for the conversion of culture. Yes.